ATV Talk, the podcast presents Inspired. Sit down with your host, Leonard Duncan, as he interviews men and women whose stories are so inspirational that they need to be shared. Hopefully, their stories may inspire you and create a change. Mondays at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And remember, dream big. It could be your story one day. GBC Power Sports Tires, a division of Green Ball Corp, has been producing industry-leading tires for ATV side-by-side market for over 25 years with tires like Mongrel, Dirt Devil, TerraMaster, XC Master, Dirt Commander, and Groundbuster. They have a tire for your application. Top racers from GNCC, Works, and Best in the Desert rely on GBC Power Sports Tires. So why shouldn't you? Go check them out at gbctires.com to see the full line of tires they offer. Thank you very much. Jason Duncan, how are you, sir? Doing great. How about yourself? I'm doing awesome. Yeah, I really want to thank you for sitting down with us at ATV Talk and telling your story about how you've gotten your business to grow and some of the things that you had to do to get there. Absolutely. I'm glad to be here. Well, my pleasure really is uh, because I knew you when you, when you were not a businessman, when you were uh, working in the shop and doing odd things to uh, to build yourself and build your reputation. Absolutely. I started when, when I started, it was all all with you guys. That's for sure. It was all a wing and a prayer, too. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Fake it till you make it. <laughs> my name was on the door. That's all I remember. I, I wanted I wanted to work. I saw your dad at Albertsons and yep. I knew I wanted to work there. And he said, well, come on down. And I kept, kept knocking on the door and you said, well, if you really want the job, keep coming. So and, I was and persistent it, and it worked. <laughs> Absolutely. And you've regretted it ever since. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> no, it's been, it's been really good. Absolutely. Um, I want to go back in time a little bit. Not everybody knows this, but that truck that you built. Yep. And did you ever finish it and sell it? And, and whatever happened with that? I almost said which one because I built a few of them. But the main one that you're talking about was my pre-runner. Right. And I did end up finishing it. It took me five years and every penny I had, plus a little bit of credit card, you know, beg, borrow and do whatever I could to make a make a dollar to finish it. But I did finish it. I drove it for about a year and then I got a deal on a house. And I needed a down payment. So I ended up um, selling it for basically what I had in it so that I could get my house that I currently have now. Um, It was one of those things that I always wanted one. And I always told myself that, you know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what it is. If you want it bad enough, you'll make it happen. So I, I spent long nights with me and my buddy, Eddie Thorogood. Um, doing all of it, I ended up trading originally I traded my, my Ranger race car that I had and I spent way too much racing it, realizing that I need to be the co-driver so that I don't have to spend all my money in the, in the car. So built the pre-runner, sold it, got my house, which has been the much better investment. Um, it's done really well. And, uh, recently actually started starting to collect more parts to build another one, but I'm trying really hard not to, but God, I love those things. When you get bit, you get bit. Absolutely. Um, 
if we go back here a little bit and talk about what this is, uh, this is ATV Talk Inspired. And what that is, is, is there are individuals that I know and I've met and some that I don't that have been brought to me by people that I do know. You just happen to be one of the people that I do know. And I know a little bit about your story. Um, I know very little about your company, but we're going to get into that. Um, and you're an inspiration to young people that think that it's too hard to do it. Well, it is hard and there is a lot of self-sacrifice, but that's what we're here to talk about is uh, let's hear from you what it is and what it's all about. There is a lot of truth to there is no easy road. It's it's a lot of hard work. It's a lot of sacrifice. And even though a lot of people might not have seen that, I just work twice as hard because a lot of people in my 20s, there's there's two different Jasons or Duncans that people know. There's the party side and then there's the work side where everyone there was a lot of people that thought all I did was party because they'd see me at the parties and I'd be having fun. And, and I still, I'm still social. I'm the social butterfly, but I would always wake up and, you know, go to work and make it all happen. Still. I was working, sure. I was working for you guys. I was selling all of the stuff online on when PayPal and eBay, you know, PayPal did just started and he, uh, you know, I worked two and three jobs to make it all happen. And it just, it kept paying off. And that's how I got the pre-runner. And you guys taught me tons. I mean, when it all started, I walked in, you said, clean the bathroom. And when I came out, you said you messed up because the bathroom's never been that clean. <laughs> I'll never forget that. <laughs> from then on, you guys put me to work and, you know, I did my best, but I always tell people that I learned the the focus, the organization, the all of my knowledge when it comes to mechanical skills, business skills. I mean, it all came from you and your brother. I mean, it it was it was my learning. That was my schooling, I would say, because I had just moved here from Oklahoma whenever I first started working for you, and. Um, you know, it was off-road was a new thing to me. I was 18 and, um, you know, I had, had no idea about the desert and all that. So I started getting into the desert and I was working on the quads with you guys, but I always saw the trophy trucks as something I wanted to do. And I, I put my head to it and I just kept telling myself that I want to do it volunteering time going, you know, every weekend I would try and get to race shops or volunteer time at the races and pit crews and kind of the similar way that, you know, most people come up, but you have to put in that time. It's not, it's not easy. Sometimes it's not fun, but you just gotta keep going. You know what I mean? Well, to reach your dreams and your goals, there's always uh, a sacrifice portion to it. Um, let's talk about where you are today and what you have going on there and, and what it's about. Gotcha. So I am, I am co co-owner of suspension development group. That's what the SDG stands for. Uh, a lot of people um, refer to it as SDG shocks or just the SDG and no one knows what it means, but it's suspension development group. It's uh, me and my roommate at the time. 
uh, came up with the name. He actually worked for Duncan Racing. Prior to me, we we have very similar paths in life, um, which is kind of crazy, but it's a small world and that's how it works. Um, but he previously worked for Fox Racing Shocks for 12 years, 15 years, and ended up quitting, moving to Australia, was a, with a race team, part of a race team in Australia. Um, prior to that, he, he was a navigator for multiple people, um, for, um, in trucks and trophy trucks. And he's won the Baja 1000, you know, he has a lot of experience when it comes to suspension and, um, you know, all the, all that stuff. But we started this in our garage. Um, he had moved back from Australia needed a place to live. And I said, Hey, you can live with me. Well, he ended up getting a job for Bryce Menzies, the Red Bull team up in Vegas. So he was a perfect roommate because he was never home. He just wanted a place to get away from the Vegas stuff. So he had a place to live up there, but he rented a room so that he could come, come hang out. And from the time that everyone heard that he had moved back, um, I, my phone blew up because people knew that he lived with me. Um, but he's kind of the, um, suspension genius when it comes to shocks and most of it's from experience. He's got, he's put in the time at Fox and he spent years in the desert. <laughs> I mean, he was constantly trying stuff and, and, and learning. And, um, he ended up quitting, um, the Menzies shop and right after the mint of 17, I finally talked him into it and he traded his mountain bike to Jimmy Weitzel for two shock benches because Jimmy wanted a mountain bike for his kid. He said he was going to buy it from him. He goes, how about you build me two shock benches? And from there, that's when it started. And uh, I currently was working at Tisco racing with building trophy trucks. I was more on the organize, organization side and kind of the sales, but if it came down to, we got to put a car together, I would do it. So, um, I was working at Tisco. Todd started doing the shock stuff and I told him that, um, I'll do all of the business side. We'll be 50, 50 partners. And I, this is what I've always wanted to do ever since I, I walked in and wanted a job at, at your place. I remember telling you and your brother, I said, what do you want to do with your life? I said, I want to own a business. <laughs> and your brother said, no, you don't. <laughs> uh, but he says, if you really do, you know, I'll, I'll show you, I'll show you what you need to know. Um, there's, there's a lot more hands-on that you'll learn that you won't learn in school. And so I ended up literally going that route and I've always kind of just paid attention at what you do, what Kevy was doing, what bro what your brother's doing, um, and from my prior jobs to Duncan Racing and after Duncan Racing, just kind of how the small family business works. And then I went and worked for Time Warner Cable after there um, and learning that. But that led me to learn all of the skills I, I feel that I, I needed to start my own business. So me and Todd started and it took from March, April, May, June, took about three months and we had enough work that we already needed to hire someone. So there was another guy that we brought in 
And after about a month there, I told them if they can do three sets a week, they can service three sets a week. I'll quit my job and we'll go for it. And that took another month. <laughs> they were servicing three sets a week, three, three trophy truck sets, which is, I mean, in, it's, it's hard to get that kind of business, but the reputation that Todd had and a lot of people knew me from the industry, but I was more, um, I was just a navigator and I had been in the industry. They don't know me as a shop guy at all. I just been around and volunteered a lot of my time and been a part of successful teams writing. And so when we got together, um, that all happened and I quit my job and it took two months and I, I decided we needed a shop because I was going stir crazy. We never left the house. It was, they, it was work when we woke up until about the sun went down and then we would just hang out and have fun. Well, they started calling it sundown garage because we'd either work till the sun went down or we would start working when the sun went down, but you never knew, <laughs> <laughs> but we got the job done and we ended up in a shop. Uh, the end of 2017 and we were in a shop down in Santee for about a year and a half. It was 1300 square feet and grew from the one employee besides me and Todd to five employees out of that little shop. And January of this last year of 2020, we moved into 7,600 square foot shop. We now have seven guys and are doing the top, you know, top 60, 70% of all off-road trucks and cars that are successful. Um, we do all of the main, um, Fox guys, King guys, even the sponsored athletes. Um, currently we're, we're going back and forth to put it nicely with Fox, with them wanting to do it in house and their athletes wanting us to do it because the skills that we have, the, the focus that we put on their needs is beyond what a manufacturer is trying to do right now. They don't dedicate to those people and they don't have the experience that we have um, riding in the cars, setting the cars up. So that's kind of like the hook that we have is on one side, you have Todd's shock knowledge. You also have the knowledge of him riding in cars and being a part of successful programs. And then you have me learning about the shocks, but also riding and being part of successful programs. So we get a lot of our business from teams that know we do BJ Baldwin and Bryce Menzies and Andy McMillan and Luke McMillan and the Ampudias and Vildosala and you name them there. We do all of them. And the smaller teams don't necessarily, I mean, they want us to make their shocks as best as they can be, but they, it's also a comfort thing that they know if we get in one of their cars and we tell them it's good, we're comparing it to the best. So a lot of it is the reassurance that I can go fast with this car. And that's half the battle in the desert is being comfortable and staying on course and not overdriving. And you, that comes from years of, of, breaking stuff and driving off the edge. And, you know, I call it 80 for 80. You got to drive 80% for 80% of the race because the last 20 is when you're going to win it or lose it if you make it. And so, like I said, a lot of the guys, a lot of our customers, they, they lean on us and they, 
you know, they choose us because of that. Um, and then that comes with the service. They, they come to us for the tuning, but then we do the service and we cater to them. We treat the shocks like they're an engine. I don't just change oil. It's not, um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of shock companies out there that will just change oil and a couple of rings. We, every, if we're going to service it, it all comes apart. Everything gets honed, polished. We only do it one way. And that's because, um, it's preventative rather than it's, is it necessary? Well, it's off road. At what part is it not necessary? Because if one part fails, the whole thing doesn't work. If an eyelet comes apart, if a check valve comes apart, um, we essentially, I picture it like an engine. There's eight pistons and there's a shaft with the pistons going up and down. The only difference between an engine and us is I get dirt thrown at my rod all day long. And I've got to keep that thing together to where it's not leaking, to where it's not failing. Because if the car doesn't work through the bumps, then... You can't go, you can't go anywhere. You're not going to get any speed. You're not going to, um, it, it completes the package. You know, you got the engine guy that you got to put the power to the ground. The tires got to stay together. The, the suspension has to work because that is the difference in off-road that we're abusing these cars. And there's a fine line between abusing it and maintaining speed. When you were going out and, and riding in the trucks, doing the testing. Um, how much of it is with you and Todd talking back and forth about what you're feeling or about what he's feeling and, and making the adjustments? I know that, that he's more wants to tune him, not necessarily riding the vehicle and he's relying on you. Yes. Kind of yeah. like Lauren relied on me to be the the, the test rider yes. and he would, we would make the tuning adjustments based on I, that. I picture it like the way that you guys tune carburetors. When someone comes to you and says, I've got this pipe, I've got this engine and you would just say, okay, do a a 65 main jet with or a 65 pilot with this main do an ng whatever needle in the fourth position and I'm, I'm like how the heck do you know that like it's it's crazy but you would do it and it would instantly put the car close to where it needed to be and i feel like we do the exact same thing in the car i todd doesn't like riding anymore because he has ridden in his fair share of cars and he thinks his number is going to get pulled <laughs> I'll be honest. He doesn't want to crash. And we ride with a lot of, of new people that, that don't understand the severity of the car. I mean, that's the beauty of our sport. Anyone who has the money can go buy it and you can go race Jimmy Johnson. If you think you can beat him, there's no, there's no license you need. There's no, you know, you can go do it. So when we go tune, I've ridden in so many cars that, I know what the car feels like and I can give that feedback where the, the drivers don't have that. Um, that's another part of what we do that helps us get you where you need to go a lot faster. Todd watches. I ride when we're, we'll go do a lap. I'll talk with the driver and I'll say, what do you feel? And then I'll let him know what I feel. He might say, God, the front end feels like it's just, just dry. It's so stiff. It's just driving in the ground. And I'll say, well, I, I feel that, but I feel like the back is pushing the front end into the ground. And I'll tell Todd that the front feels stiff, but I don't feel like we're using all of the rear. 
and it's pushing the front end of the ground and he will look at the stuff and it's very similar to a mountain bike, a dirt bike setting sag, the O-rings on a mountain bike. How much are you using? Should you open it? Should you close it? It's the exact same. We open the back, we realize, no, then we'll go down to another lap, come back. And it's like, you didn't even touch the front. Front feels amazing now. We opened the back up because they work together. And, but getting there is the battle that we will not go tune a car without putting our setup in it. So it's like, you won't go tune a motor without your internals and your carburetor because well, you don't know where to go. Well, which way? Yeah, you have to, you have to, we have to run tests on the specific product yep. to get it to get to know where the engine is. If I'm using someone else's motor and, and someone else's exhaust and, you know, and then you, you dial the carburetors in based on the knowledge that you have of the combinations that they're running. Yeah. Um, you know, you guys don't have to deal with, you know, horrible fuel, like fuel, like we do, uh, I guess maybe you have to, it's like oil. You, I guess you have to deal with some bad oils. When we only use one oil and that's, uh, that's one because of the viscosity and it's not just the weight. It's just like, well, it's the same octane. What's the difference? The consistency of, of that the, oil. Yep. That's I why, mean, you know, you pick a fuel because of its consistency. You pick an oil because of the manufacturer yes. and, and you just, you just keep using it, which keeps your product consistent, you know? Yep. When it comes to temperatures, when it comes to the thickness, because all we're doing is controlling oil through valves. Right. That's all it is. So it needs to be the most consistent throughout all the temperatures through, you know, it, if it does overheat and thin out, it needs to be able to come back when it does cool off, depending on the races, so that the shocks can still perform. If it just shears and goes away, then you, you don't have a race car again. You right. know, it's, then it's gone. So the oil is very, very important. How long, how long did it take you guys to come up with the oil configuration that you use? Um, it, we actually use a Fox-based oil. Um, it's not our particular oil. It is a... We use Fox JM92. Some, something that they came up yep. with. Yep. Yeah. We're currently working on one for ourselves just to have our own brand and make their oil, you know, a step further better. Um, going with some thin- synthetics, especially because the side-by-sides, you're asking so much out of one shock. The side-by-sides nowadays are like a 10 car without an external bypass. You know, you, you've got uh, combined, you're, you're missing 10 inches of shock all the way around. And so trying to control that, that machine without that much dampening force, you're just adding so much more friction, so much more valving to try and control it out of a smaller piston, smaller shock builds heat. It's amazing that it hasn't failed already. <laughs> it's, it's on the edge every race, you know, it's, but they stick to the single shock because of manufacturer manufacturer produces it that way and kind of keeps the sport somewhat cheaper by not putting two shocks on it, but to efficiently dampen it, you, you need to, you can get away with one. It's just a lot more difficult, um, with the internal bypasses, it basically makes the shock a lot smaller, smaller piston because you have an inner body that you're playing with. It works the same as an external bypass, but you're asking what say on a 10 car, you'd have a two O coilover and a three, five bypass, a a side-by-side only has a 2.5 inch piston. So you're missing three inches of dampening force that, and all of the oil and all of the adjustment that 
it's 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 crazy that it still that it still lives like you said how hard is it to keep the shocks cold cool because i know in our world um believe it or not shock temperature is a big issue and some of it comes with the style of oil that's used some of it comes with your valving uh, others it's the product that the shock's built out of and I know those big old heavy trucks, they, they got to just be murder on this stuff. They are. And a lot of it is balancing the spring with the coilover and the bypass. Some people think a coilover, the, the shock that's actually inside the coil is just a coil carrier. You don't really need valving in it, but you do need valving if you want to prolong the life of the bypass. You need to put valving in it. We use it in particular ways to control the vehicle the way we like to help assist the bypass in certain ways. Um, it's kind of, you know, how we balance the springs along with that, that keeps all of the friction down to a minimal, as much as minimal as it can be with still controlling that shock. I mean, the, the shaft speeds that we're seeing are 500 inches, 600 inches a second. It's fast and there's no dyno in the world that can recreate it. So, it's it's a butt dyno, you know, the changes that we're making. It's all based on what our butt feels in that car. <laughs> I mean, how many times have we told you that, you know, that dyno is is unbeatable? It's never been beat. Yes. You know, I mean, the the engine dynos or the chassis dynos that we deal with in the ATV industry or in some of the car industries. Yeah, they're great comparison tools. They do a lot of great things. But at the end of the day, the final tune comes from the guy riding it. Uh, you know, if you're the greatest tuner in the world, but you don't hit the nail, yeah. you know, you don't hit the nail, you know, because when you come out of the turn, if it, if it doesn't respond correctly, same way, if the tires aren't kept on the ground because the shock's not functioning properly, you run into some issues. Yep. Um, uh, we've, we've talked about some shocks and we, and, and you covered a little bit of the, of the business. Um, you've given given some great compliments to some people that you've worked with and, and, and been around in the industry. What, um, what have you noticed about running a business that you weren't prepared for? Um, that's a very good question. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say the time spent making sure that it's still running, that it, that it runs good and that, um, that everything's working. And, you know, Lauren always told me plan on working two jobs for the rest of your life. That's, and there's, it's, it is that it's, it's not, you get a business and okay, now I get to work less. You, you just move your hours around because it might look like I'm going racing and I get to go pre-run and I go on vacation. But when I'm there, I'm working 15 to 20 hours a day, sometimes just making the time up. And, and when I am gone, I'm not working. I mean, I'm still working. It's not, you, there's no days off. It's it. The time would be the most that I underestimated. Um, I always like, I knew it was going to take a lot. And they always say grind, grind, you know, you got to keep grinding. Well, there's not enough hours in the day <laughs> to, to get it all done. So learning to delegate, learning to position the right people. Um, it's hard because there's, there's very few, fewer and fewer of those kinds of people 
nowadays. Like people that are mechanically inclined, people that care, people that want to do the best and be a part of the best. It's very hard to find those kind of people. So when you're trying to grow and do more and more, you really have to be particular at who you hire, who cares, who you want to keep around part of the team. And I have a good team of guys that we wouldn't be able to do it without them. You know, I don't serve as shocks. I've, I, I can take them apart. I could put them back together, but I don't want to because the guys I have do it right. And they do it consistent, perfect every time. There's no, we have a system and how we've done it. Um, and I, I focus more on the business stuff and I've taken that element away from Todd when we need him. He'll, he'll get in the shop and start putting stuff together. But for the most part, I've extracted that kind of stuff from his plate so that he can focus on the setup and tuning. The guys take the stuff apart. They spec everything. They hand him a spec sheet. He looks at it, says, change this to that, turn this here, put these springs on it. And, and then we give it back to the shop. The shop puts it together and then he sees the truck in the desert. That's it's, it's down to a, a system to where he already knows what is in it because of his general idea of, of how he would set the car up. That's what gets put in that, that, that spec sheet so that it's already set up. But, um, but yeah, the time is it's a lot. Not to change the subject, but um, when you're setting that up, like on an ATV, does the specific chassis design affect the shock? Um, and, and, and the, the size of the tire with the driver style? Very much so. Um, the driver style we can, for the most part, um, manipulate in the desert with settings. The general setup changes from car to car dramatically based on the chassis because some of the um, the trucks, they put in any squat or they put more angle to their front end or the wheelbase, the, the way that they did the links to where, how they, how they, um, cycle the way they mounted the shocks. Did they lean the shocks over too far to fit? Um, they wanted to package it better or for packaging. They didn't put it exactly at maybe where we would want it. So we have to make adjustments to, to compensate for that. Um, they might've leaned, leaned the shocks over intentionally thinking it is for the better, but it also is in a negative way, depending on what you want the car to do. Um, but it's very different. It's the same method in, in measuring. We have a setup sheet that we measure, I'd say 60 to 70 different measurements on the car when it comes to the shafts, the springs at right height, that full droop at full bump to calculate what we need to know before we spring and valve the car. Um, but that all gets done. And then we go to the desert. We won't go to the desert before that. Um, but those things and how Todd puts those things together and puts in certain valving or sets the springs changes based on the chassis. And we learn every day. Mason Motorsports just came out with a brand new all wheel drive, uh, big block, the motors in the back. Now it used to be in the back in some cars, but then they went back to the front. Well, now in the all wheel drive, they put it back in the back for packaging. So now it, it's easier to do the, the engine transmission. And then the front diff and T case is now in the front. And then they send another drive shaft all the way back to the rear end. So if you put the motor in the front and try and package it with the front diff and the T case, it ends up kind of throwing the weight off and 
cramming all that stuff in front of your heels is, is it's hard. So the dynamics of that car is so different because of where all of the stuff is. Plus it's now all wheel drive. So it's biting differently. It's the right. front tires are pulling down the front of the faces instead of bouncing off of them. Um, and how you adjust the rebound and the control to keep that car as flat as possible. Um, but keeping the tires on the ground because that is how you get, you get the speed is, is the, the hard part. And that's what we learn based on all the different chassis. Do you guys deal with any inserts inside of the tires? Um, they like interliners. Oh, well we use tire balls or yeah. tire blocks. Um, so there's foam and there's balls. So there's two different kinds. Yep. I've seen tire balls used in the trophy truck stuff. Um, Todd doesn't, I know that we've had the discussion of using tire balls and I think there's a couple of racers that have used them in the past from a, um, a suspension standpoint. I know Todd doesn't like them because it takes away from the tire squish, which is part of the suspension that we're taking into consideration of, of what you feel, how it absorbs. Um, if you put the tire balls in the truck, it, it makes everything a lot more rigid. You'll, you'll feel more that a tire would normally deflect from allowing it to, to, to compress. Do you think that's a, a big weight thing? Because what I'm used to is we go with a tire ball and, and in some forms you can go with a tire block, but with the tire ball, we run all the air out of the tire so that I get a dead basketball effect so that I'm not getting bounce back in the tire. So I'm getting, I'm keeping the tire on the ground better. So our traction in the rear ultimately improves because then it, a guy like Doug roll can come and do his magic with uh, changing the valving or setting the clicker adjustments, knowing the balls or knowing what I'm running in the tire. Gotcha. Uh, the setup is a little different with a tire block versus a tire ball. Not a lot, but some, what is a block? A block is, uh, sorry, Kenny, I'm going to butcher this. Uh, it, it's a foam. They're kind of pieces of foam and yep. I'm using the wrong terminology yep. and I know Kenny's the foam blocks that are inside. Yeah. The and they okay. cut them into a wedge. So yep. it goes all the way around yep. and they're sized and fitted to your combination. Um, I don't know if, if like the, I know the balls, they move around once you pop a couple. Um, I don't know if with the bigger being that we're on 40 inch tires, if, if that matters, like weight, I don't know how much more they would weigh. Do you know how? I mean, it, uh, it they does do play a role. More. They do weigh more, so they are a little bit of a horsepower robber. So run unsprung weight. So you got that. a guy that's running no ball, nothing in his tires, and a guy that's running something. The guy with nothing in his tires faster. Okay, but he's losing the security of the of not getting a flat. Yep. And he, I think, and it just is just yep. my opinion. I think he gives up a little in the traction area because the tires don't stick as well. And, and that's either insert. In, in UTVs, 100% they use them. I know that for a fact because in that stuff, it's all downtime. You can't get a flat and you can't burn a belt. Like that's the name of those things. Ours, it still don't get a flat. Um, but we are trying to squeeze all the power out of it. So um, I know the team that I'm with now, we don't, we don't use tire balls. We don't use monster seal. Um, there are a few people in the, in the trucks that are using a, a monster seal or a, a type of fix a flat slime inside that helps with stick flats and, and punctures. Uh, most of our flats that um, I'd say 
80% of our flats that we've gotten is a pinch flat where uh, we push too hard in the rocks or we're sliding it in a berm and there's a rock in the berm and it, it pinches the outside of the tire right. that no matter what, the tire is going to start coming apart because it's going to build heat when it starts getting low. Um, we now have tire pressure monitoring, temperature monitoring all in the vehicles that I'm constantly watching. And if there's a, a discrepancy between left or right, uh, mainly left or right, because the front and rear are always different. You build more heat, you build more pressure in the back. Um, so it's more of a left or right thing. And, you know, coming into the pits, you're always monitoring it, making sure that um, you don't have a flat coming into the pit because if you leave and you just had it and you just got it, you're bummed, you know, but um, I, I know we are going to start pushing more with some of the monster seal trying stuff because the flats, you know, flat can lose a race nowadays. It's, it's crazy. Um, the team I race with now is the McMillans. Um, I ride with, with Luke McMillan and, um, we've had a damn good year. We've podiumed every race this year, which was six races. I've no five races this year. I've ridden with him seven times and two races last year with the 400, we got, I think 11th. And then the thousand, which we had the thousand one, you know, that's racing everyone's story. You're winning until you weren't, um, <laughs> lost power steering pump going up the summit with a, I think we had a seven minute lead over the Impudias. lost power steering pump, changed it, got going, ended up third. Nasser got us by 30 seconds because we had another flat coming in right before the arches. Um, but that was our first podium from that day we've won three races and been on the podium ever since so and you won a score title won the score trophy truck title nice. so that was my first pa 1000 overall um after putting that in my my list of races i've been in i went back and looked and i've been on the podium of the thousand for the last four years in a row the last peninsula run i got third um ended up rolling a hundred yards from the finish line you know we got that was the last full peninsula run so you're by the time you get down there i'd been in the car for 600 miles so we're blowing bubbles by the time you get down there and there was a section where we you come in and it's all speed zone so you know your, your mind's relaxed you're like okay we're, we're done it's going to be speed zone all the way to the finish well we get in this little flat area and the the Stella, our, our timer, it shut off where it's monitoring our speed zone. It's like, oh, well, they, there's people everywhere. They probably want us to go full speed. So we start doing these little S turns. Last turn before the finish line, Gary Wyrick puts it up on its side. And <laughs> I, had, I, I didn't know where we were. I didn't have communication for the last uh, four hours because um, our visors, it was so foggy. We just were running with our visors up. And I couldn't hear the intercom. I couldn't hear the radio. So we have no idea where we're at. We're just driving. And every time they would talk on the radio, Gary would be, be what? 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 And he'd slow down. So I ended up just shutting the radios off. Just, I know the radio, they don't like doing that because we are in the middle of nowhere. And, um, if any, if something happened, it would be, it, it could be bad, but you know, we wanted to keep, keep momentum. So we kept going. And like I said, we, we rolled and we were still in third place. And we got to the finish line and they let us know. And I said, well, I probably would have tried to roll it over a little faster if I'd have known we were in third. I thought we were still in fifth at the time, but it was so foggy. We didn't even see anyone. You know, we were just, just going. And uh, so that was four years ago. Um, and then 
three years ago, I, um, I rode with AJ Jones, Jesse Jones son in the 6,100. And that year we got second at San Felipe. We won the 500 and the thousand and won the 6,100 title for that year. And then last year ended up third with Luke this year. It was, it was deja vu. We, we get the car from Larry Rossler at who's a legend in this stuff. Um, Luke, Luke always brings Larry around because Larry knows what he's doing. He is the, he's the King of Baja. I rode with him five years ago, the, in the Baja 1000, I rode with him the last 500 miles. That was my first time ever riding with him. And to go back a little bit, it was pretty funny because I had been riding with Gary Wyrick, who I kind of talk more to. I take more notes for. I talk him through the race. I tell him everything about what's going on. When I take notes, I mean, I probably have two to 3,000 notes for my 600 mile section. When I got in with Larry, this is the first race he had actually been using a GPS. And I felt like I was touching my grandpa's radio when I wanted to take a note because I'd go to push the button and he'd look at me and say, well, what do you want to know? I said, well, I want to mark that rock. And he'd say, well, um, we're going to go around this turn. There's a bush on the right. There's two rocks on the left. Then we're going to make a right. There's a big rock on the left, but the ones you want to worry about are the two on the right. Sure enough, we went through there and they were right there. So <laughs> I said, okay, yeah, I don't need to tell you anything. You let me know what you want. And so um, Larry knows this stuff. I mean, he's won it 11 times on, on a bike and four times in a truck or in a four wheel vehicle, which is crazy, you know, and, and he still got the speed. He, he gave us the truck. He did the first 430 miles. He gave us the truck in third position. We were five minutes down to Dan and Ampudia. We ended up um, getting in at 435. We pushed to about 5510. And Dan was calling off, Dan's co-driver's calling off miles. You know, five, we're at 5, 510, 515. Well, on the GPSs, there's a clock in the, in the corner. So I'm looking at the clock and I'm, I'm watching me pass 520, 525. And I'm like, Luke, we're a minute behind him. You know, we've, we've made up four minutes on him. And Ampudia was still in, in between us at some point. Like we, we're all, we're tight now. We're bunched in. And, uh, and then we got the call that Ampudia is in a pit. Get on it. And so we, we stood on it went as fast as we could ended up pulling out literally in front of his front bumper. He pulled out right behind us and it was a mad dash to, to Dan at that point. Um, luckily it was Dan being Luke's brother and he was nice enough to, to let, let him go. He, he, he's, they, they're good sports. They are, they are racing against each other, but you know, we, we got on the radio and said, Dan, we just got by Ampudia. Don't pull over. Don't stop yet. But I just want to let you know, we're, or 40 seconds to your bumper. And he knows that, you know, we just made up a ton of time and we're going for it. And, uh, so he said, all right, let me know when you're here. And we got to his lights and said, okay, you're holding this up. So he pulled over, he says, go win this thing. And <laughs> I'm getting chills right now. It's crazy. So uh, am I. <laughs> <laughs> he says, go win this thing. And, uh, that was right before Matomi. That was at like five 30. Um, we get into Matomi and man, Luke, Luke puts in so much time and, 
Um, we've done this rate. We've done Matomi together, I think four times, um, with the five hundreds and the, the, um, the thousands they're running the same course. So we've got these lines nailed. We don't go two minutes and Dan gets back on the radio and he goes, Hey, slow down. I'm not even in your dust anymore. Like we, we were going, we didn't want to hold him up. You know, we started going and we pop out at the end of Matomi at, uh, I think it was 600 and we had a five minute lead on Dan and then was still behind Dan. So we're like, all right, we got, you know, we got the gap now. What was the starting order? If I, yeah. So Dan started first, we started third and Ampudia started fourth. So, um, you needed time on it. Yes. Yeah. I needed time on Ampudia and, and Dan was in between us. So Dan kind of, kind of held him back there a little bit. It's hard to pass in the dust. You know, like I said, it's, it's fortunate that he let us by fortunate and unfortunate for him, but he let us by and kept making dust. You know, it's, it's, that's the name of the game. And then at night it's even harder because it's like the thickest fog you've ever driven in. Was Dan just not fast that day? Or yeah. did he have a problem that, that he had a motor that was starting to lean to starting to starting to go that ended up giving up. So he he was basically trying to salvage. He wanted to make sure he didn't abuse the car. Plus, with the all wheel drives, we're still unsure. I mean, me and Luke are still in a, a two wheel drive, small Ford. It puts 530 horsepower to the ground. These trucks were competing against the the Mason all wheel drives. They've got. 11, 1200 horsepower, the, um, Herbs trucks with the Joe Gibbs racing engine, they, <laughs> they're talking about, they can go, I've heard 170 mile an hour in some of the straights, the tires won't last past 150, 160. So they can still do 150 on a flip of a switch, which they took advantage of at the 500 and passed us on the lake bed. Like we were standing still in the fluff. I mean, when you're on the lake bed and you drive out in the fluff, you, you're going to get stuck. On, and they and, drove out in the fluff and just, just destroyed just it. point and shoot and went by the entire field. That was at the 500. Um, yeah. The, so he was just taking care of it. And like I said, he ended up having an engine. The engine did go. Um, I don't know why, uh, what happened, but, um, Ampudia got by him before that, because I'm sure he got word that we had just put five minutes on him and he, he had to go. And, uh, we used to do their shocks. Um, Fox took them back over this last year. Um, but we, we pushed, I mean, we're, you're talking the heart of San Felipe. Now we're racing full tilt, uh, at night going up Portacitas all the way to the billboard, all the way up, you know, to three poles and down, you know, all of it. So, uh, we had five minutes on him. We started pushing even there because I know our truck works better than theirs. And I know that we can, we can put time on him. So we put another two minutes on him to the top, to the lake bed right before the summit. And that's what we wanted. And this is deja vu of the year before we literally passed them in the pit. We had seven minute lead going up the summit. We got to the base of the summit and Luke says the steering starting to lock up. And that's exactly what happened the year before. Like <laughs> you couldn't, you couldn't write it. Like there's no way this is happening again. And so we get on the radio, the guys at the top of the summit, get ready to change a pump. I don't know what's happening, but just, just be ready. So we cruised it up the summit. I mean, we made sure we did not hit any rocks. We did not jar that steering at all. Get to the top, get another, 
uh, radio, get another uh, time split, and they were back to five minutes. So then, like, okay, well, we got to step it up a little more because they they started a minute behind us, so they only have to get to our dust. So we get to K seventy seven. Now they're four minutes behind you. So corrected three minutes. I'm like, okay, they've made three minutes on us and not that long a time. It's time to go. And no bump. Nope. Didn't change a pump. We got, uh, we got in at K 77 and from there to Ojos, I, I, I want to say I've never driven or been ridden in a car going that fast in a race. We were qualifying speed going for the win. Cause I mean, we knew that Alan was going to send it. He did it the year before and that it's the bottom 1000. Like you're it's win, win or break, go for it. And we're that close. We know he's, he's going for it. He ended up, um, putting the thing up on its nose, ripped the front bumper off of it. I don't think he crashed, but he hit this big kicker that, um, there's a ditch right after it, which we, I mean, we knew about it. Um, but I made the joke to him at the finish line that, you know, if we were still tuning your suspension, you'd probably still have a front bumper. I don't think he would have beat us, but you know, you'd still have a front <laughs> bumper. <laughs> so he ended up, you know, we, we get to Ojos, we're now across the road and, you know, they're calling out three minutes, nobody, seven minutes, no one, 10 minutes, no one. And, you know, at that point you're like, okay, calm down. Calm down. Just get to the finish line. They said Rob Mack is 11 minutes behind you. Um, and he started something like that. So about that many positions behind us anyways. So um, we just calmed down, put it to the finish. But Luke's literally like, uh, you know, can I, can, can we lose it from here? Like, like asking me, like, you know, because in, in the car, you become the coach, the reassure, the yes, everything's fine, even though it might not be. The if counselor. you know, yes, uh, yeah. all of the above. So, you know, I'm like, yes, but as long as we stick on the road, everything's fine. Yes, you're maintaining a good speed. Yes, you're doing everything fine. You know, and it's it, it was like walking on eggshells all the way to the finish line. I'm I'm not the co-driver, and I, I don't think it could ever be. <laughs> but but being the guy that's the, the, fa- the guy you see at the pit, you know, I, I mean, when you talk to each rider and you get to look at the machine and, and they look at you and they ask, you know, the questions and, and, or they look at you before they get on and, and you have to give them the reassurance and talk to them and, and tell them, you know, that, Hey, you know, this is our position. This is what our times are. This is what you have to do. This is what you, this is what we need from you. I don't need any hero. I don't need you to freaking go out and throw it away. I just need you to ride a good pace the way you've already trained. You already know the lines. Just don't do anything stupid. Yep. Just reassure them that they're doing what they're supposed to. Because being comfortable is, that's, that's 90% of what we're doing. If you're comfortable, you're going to be fast. You're going to be smooth. You're not going to pop any tires. We didn't have any flats. We didn't have any issues other than the steering kind of locking up and it wasn't locking up. It was when you tried to steer fast, it would give a little feedback and, but you could still steer. So, you know, he muscled it. Muscled so you're you're going to fix that. Aren't you? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Are you going to start putting steering boxes? <laughs> hey, you never, it is hydraulic fluid going through. <laughs> We've thought about it. I do. I do have the name SDG steering. So we'll oh, see. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Um, so 
you've told us that and and I love I love hearing it and I love hearing your progression uh from the guy that that I knew when he was just a young man. <laughs> well yeah but you always had a talent for um doing things really positive you know and uh, and clean uh, one of the things that we forgot to talk about early on is I needed to congratulate you on your wedding oh yes I needed to Craig congratulate you on your child yes i uh <laughs> June 22nd of last year, got married in North Carolina at Robbie Gordon's house. Actually, right. he was nice enough to let me use his place on Lake Norman and, and it ended up working great. Uh, I can't believe that a hundred of my friends came from California out to North Carolina. And yeah, I don't like you that much. <laughs> we missed you. That's for sure. Uh, but yeah, we ended up I brought a blob out there the day after the wedding. We just had a full party. It was, it was, it was a lot of fun. Um, and then, um, um, a month, no, two weeks before three weeks before the thousand. No, it was two weeks, two weeks before the thousand. We had our daughter on Halloween, which was the best thing ever. I've lived between that and winning the thousand. I've never had so many highs and lows in my life. <laughs> I know that for a fact. I, I, I don't think I've cried as much in the la- in those two weeks than I have <laughs> the whole t- my whole life. It, it's amazing. And no one can prepare you for that feeling. Um, I, I can't believe that uh, my wife actually let me go to the race with her <laughs> having a one week old at home. Um, there was, it got a little scary. There were some complications after or, you know when the baby came out that she had to go down to the NICU for cooling they lower the the baby's heart um not heart rate um the body's core temp to 92 degrees for three days to help blood flow help everything develop because uh, the umbilical cord is wrapped around her neck she she swallowed the fluid and she had a, a heart murmur um so just in case they did that everything's great and fine now but it was it was crazy going from my wife pushed for, she was in on labor for 22 hours and she pushed off and on for, for six hours, Whoa. which was, she was a trooper. Like everything was great except for the, um, the, what's the thing in your back? The epidural. The epidural fell out halfway through pushing. Ouch. And it was, it was intense, but before and after that, everything was perfect. And then the baby came out and it got scary for a little bit. Um, you just don't know. There's so many things that can happen and it happens so fast that they're like, grab your phone. You're going with them. And, but the, they're taking care of, of my wife and my wife's got a fever and like, I don't know anything that's going on. I'm just trying to make sense of all of it. And like I said, Thank God everything is fine. Everything's fine now. Everyone's healthy, happy, home. Um, We're not getting as much sleep. But like I said, owning a business, I didn't sleep before. So um, I got to give my wife a lot of a lot of credit though she gets up and takes care of the baby and says you got to go to work I, I get it and i'll let her go till about till till i leave and she looks up at me and she's just blowing bubbles and i'm like okay go to sleep give me the baby <laughs> you know i can i can not go to work for a little bit you need to you need to get some sleep so right. but we we're a great team she's my best friend and um she's best friends with um luke's wife that i race with so it's it's the best 
it's the best thing to have both of our wives together and, and, you know, rooting for us and being a part of it all together. And it's like one big family, you know, when we go down, there's, there was 68 people with our race team. I mean, it's, wow. it's, it's pretty crazy, you know, That's except for this time it wasn't with my wife. She usually goes to all the races, but she stayed home for this one. And, um, I ended up after pre-running Mark threw me the keys to his truck and said, go home. So two days before the race, I actually drove home just to spend the night with her before the race. And nice. uh, they always make the joke because my daughter's name is, is fate. So they always say, well, it was fate that, that we won the, the Baja 1000 and this year, you know, that she's kind of been our good luck charm. That's for sure. Well, you know, you've, you've met my children and, and, uh, and you met two of my new children. Uh, I got them when they were adults, but they're mine. Um, you know, Juliana being 31 and Danny Ray being 20, uh, 29. both of them gave me, well, dude, I got five grandkids. That's crazy. This year, number five and number six were born. Oh man. You know, congrats. Yeah. Is it like having kids all over again? No, no, it's way better. It's way better because, Oh man, maybe I'm an unusual parent. I I have never, uh, stressed about certain things with my kids. That's I good. just knew I was very blessed. You know, both my kids came home from the hospital sleeping all night. Uh, yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Really? <laughs> Two of them that lucky? Yeah. This doesn't happen. And uh, uh, health, everything's been great. All my grandkids have been healthy. And uh, so far, knock on wood, yeah. Ethan's uh, 11. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I have seven. Uh, I think Lucy's seven or eight. And then there's uh, the, the, the two babies. Gotcha. Know? And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. <laughs> it is. Life it's is crazy. So crazy, you know, and it's, it's so precious too. You can't, you got to enjoy every, every minute of it. Well, you know, it, it comes back to the fact of all the things that we've done through all the years with all the racing and, and, yeah you go back and you chase races and you do the things that we do. And, and this year for me has been an off year. I've traveled not one time. Uh, we'll see what 2021 brings. Um, this will air in 2021 uh, months after you'll probably have already raced your first truck race for the year when we finally get it out there. <laughs> gotcha. Um, but this is this episode and this time with you is all about the inspiration that you can give to people that listen, whether you're 21 with no money in your pocket and you have a dream or whether you're 60 and have a dream, um, it gets possible and you can do it. And, uh, I've watched Jason, I've watched you through the years, uh, go from hero to zero in, in a day or two from having money to not having money, to making a good deal, to making a bad deal, to, to making the bad deal into Absolutely. a good deal. And, um, you can do anything you put your, you put your mind to. I mean, you know, I, I'm, there's always a joke. I have, a, I still have a Saturn. I've really, Oh yeah. <laughs> so the Saturn, yeah. Saturn car. Um, I've always, I don't know. I've why, because they're fun. You break slides, <laughs> you know, it's, <laughs> and you don't care about it. You can kick it. It's dent resistant. No, but like you said, I've came. No, from, it's not dent resistant because the one that was flat in the back parking lot. Yeah. It wasn't dent resistant. Well, that was, was the roof. Well, no, was, the whole car was flat. <laughs> But yes, I've, I've, I've done, I've, I've came not, I don't want to say I've came from nothing because my parents, 
um, they're, they're both hard work. They're all hardworking parents and um, they're not well off. They're average, you know, at, but they didn't just give me anything. They made me work for everything I have. You know, I've, I've always um, worked really hard and, and, but I've always had, had dreams and goals and without true, without making strides towards that, you, you're never going to go anywhere. I've always saw, told myself and reminded when I, when I would talk is don't ever say, I wish I had that because I can't wait to have that because it's all in your mind. You'll always, you can, you can do whatever you want. No, I, I would have never thought I was racing in a trophy truck when I worked for you. i never like, I, that was always a dream of mine that I would have a pre-runner that I'd have a family that like it, that I'd own my own business. These were all things that I always wanted, but in my mind, I always said, I I'm going to have them. I'm not, I wish I could do that. It's I'm going to do it. And I don't know how it's going to happen because there's not always a plan, but being able to roll with the situations that get thrown at you and capitalize on it is huge. There's, there's times when, you know, stuff came up and I'm like, oh, I don't know if I should go to this or I should do this. But that opened so many more doors to to what I was going to do next, you know, and it, it led me to where I'm at. You know, it's it's crazy that you can you can literally achieve anything you want to do, but you really got to want it. And you can't just say you want to want it. It's you really do want it. And and it's doing anything and everything you can to making that happen, whether it's sacrifice. I mean, like you said, I've gone up and down back and forth. I bought my house. Todd now rents my house from me. I moved back into my studio behind my parents' house with my wife and brand new baby in a 500 square foot studio (laughs) because I feel that the economy hopefully will take another turn and we want to save money. So what better than to have your mom as the next door neighbor and also being able to save money. So Todd wanted to rent that. He was going to go rent a house because we were having a kid. And he said, well, why don't you just rent my house? So it, now it turned into a rental property that now I can, I'm, I'm making multiple streams of income, you know, just trying to figure it out. You know, all the stuff you see on Instagram and, and everyone talks about, you, you know, doing podcasts and getting getting paid to do stuff. There's so many different ways that you can, you can generate money or, and do what you love to do. And I've found a way to do that. Um, just by, just by keep on keeping on, you know? Well, Hey, did you ever think that you'd be sitting on a podcast with me? Absolutely not. That I was the host of <laughs> No, no. When I told Todd that you had a podcast, he said, what? No way. Oh yeah. It's, it is, it's crazy how things change. And, uh, and literally you can do it, whatever you put your mind to. It, it, it is. And I, and I tell everybody, this is a labor of love because we're so young and sponsors are uh, a different thing. When you are trying to get somebody to advertise on your podcast, uh, it's usually in, in industry based, but then it's not always industry based. It's, it's how you present yourself and, and how you carry yourself into the, into the, um, the, the, the social media land that's out there. And, you know, for lack of a better word, you know, that's one of the biggest things that I, I talk the way I talk and some of these new terms, the young people, you know, spout this stuff off and I don't catch it. And, uh, I kind of, I kind of sound a little old and funny sometimes, but it, you know, uh, racing's racing off roads, off road. And, 
um, I'm still hooked. I still love it. And um, like I said, this is all about inspiring people to rise above. And when it looks bleak and it looks dark, have faith and believe in yourself and believe in the people that believe in you because you will succeed. 100%. I, I thank you guys for believing in me, giving me a chance to, to work for you guys. And oh, that was all fake. Uh, <laughs> that, that was all fake. Oh, <laughs> uh, shoot. No, I, but, no I, I appreciate it. And you always did a great job. And, and um, you were, did you ever think I would be riding in a trophy truck? Um, yeah, I knew that that was coming, but to have the level of business that you have with the integrity that it has and the reputation that it has, uh, that that's, um, a new level for me. And, and you I know, but, but, but not really because I know Todd and Todd's always been the eccentric. Yes. And you're always the guy you do love quality and you do love it to be right. So you add the two together and it's a mix for perfection. Yep. You know, I mean, perfection is unobtainable. Yes, absolutely. But the harder you strive for it, which I think that you learned a little bit about that working for us, especially from your dad, uh, <laughs> your dad taught me so much about just the little things that yeah. make life Don't so much put his easier. tools in the drawer. The more he left them. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Jason, I thank you so much for coming on ATV Talk. Um, I would hope that you would come back with Todd and we could do a joint episode because it would have been a pleasure to have him. With yes, you. absolutely. I will I'll drag him out here next time. And yeah, we'll let, let's plan on it and, uh, and and set a time in the future, maybe after a race or something, when you can come back and, and tell me how it goes. Uh, maybe even uh, bring Luke and, and we could all sit down and talk and, That'd be awesome. and uh, get a perspective from a driver of a truck. Not that you don't know how to drive, but we're uh, just big quads. You know, yeah, it's, it's, of, all, it's pretty uh, much kind of what it is. <laughs> it's almost exactly what it is. It is uh, a, when you look at them without fenders. Yep. Uh, you know, if it didn't have a steering wheel and you put a pair of handlebars on yep. there. Okay. And and they are all the same. They're just bigger parts, to be honest. It's the same way that you guys taught me how to prep something. It's the same way that we prep a trophy truck. You do it the right way. You take it all the way apart. You inspect everything every time. Does it need to come off? No, but it does because it needs to be looked at and you have to do all of those things that you might not feel that is, is necessary at the time, but that's the only way to be successful is to go in that extra mile to make sure it's the only, it's the only way. Yeah. You know, in anything it's in, in life and with your relationship, you have to go the extra mile. Like you have to put in as much as you can. Trust me. I was up at five 15 this morning, (laughs) taking a shower and leaving early because I didn't go to the store last night. Like I was instructed to. So I was at the store when they opened to get the few things. Put that extra in yesterday. Um, I did, (laughs) but obviously I didn't get it all done. Gotcha. Gotcha. And my wife is amazing and uh, she takes great care of me and um, allows me to do the podcast and allows me to work. Uh, the way I do because I still have a garage outside that I prep race bikes and do things out there as well as working full-time for Duncan racing. So there is no extra hours in my day. I feel you. That's for sure. (laughs) We'll set something up and get you guys to come back. Um, Sounds good. uh, Give yourself a a shameless plug. A shameless plug. Oh, for my company. Yeah, yes. really. Well, thank you for having me. And uh, from the owner of Suspension Development Group, 
too bad my my co-owner wasn't here with me, but um, thank you for having me. And uh, we look forward to coming back home. I appreciate it. And you're going to have to tell him it's G rated. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be hard. <laughs> he, he, he wants to do a podcast, but it will be a full everything goes. Yeah. Well, then there might be a little alcohol involved. <laughs> <laughs> well, we don't have, we don't have alcohol here. Uh, not because other people don't like it, but it's just because I try to keep it as, as family friendly as possible because there yes. are young, there are young ones yes. that are going to listen to this. And not that he always is drinking, no, just that we like to have a little fun. That's exactly, all. Exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, brother. We'll talk to you soon. Have a great night. Thank, thank you as well. All right, buddy. Bye-bye. Bye. The team here at ATV Talk would love your feedback. Please email us at hello at ATVTalkPodcast.com. Brought to you by Take-Two Custom Tees. Screen printing experience that is dedicated to quality and customer service every time. San Diego's Body Evolution Wellness Center. With over 17 years experience, Dr. Heidi looking after all your chiropractic needs and Coach PJ looking after your fitness needs. Visit our website, www.bodyevolutions.org or call for an appointment, 858-571-0160. Duncan Technologies International. More than 33 years in the industries building racing programs and ATVs around the world. We build winners. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, don't forget to rate us on all available platforms and share us with your loved ones. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook for more ATV Talk News. See you next time.